Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving a recap on the OKC Blue game. This one was pretty damn crazy. I'm going to break down the whole entire recap of this one, the top performers and what is next for the franchise and then just like every other episode guys, I'm going to be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbooks. You do not want to miss out on that. But just starting things off with the OKC Blue game. This is one where you head in. Didn't think there were there would be any assignments actually rolling into this one. Because you saw everyone was hyping up SGA at the Paycom Center. All the two ways. All the typical assignments were in attendance for that one. And you have a game... And less than 24 hours in Las Vegas. So who's taking that flight down there? You would assume they'd already be ready and prepping with the team. And that sentiment held true with everybody except for Vit Krejci. He took the trip down there. So he was the lone assignments for the roster. He was in a starting unit that included Xavier Simpson, Melvin Frazier Jr., Jalen Horde, and DJ Wilson. And when you look at what the Rio Grande Valley Vipers had to work with, they had Deshaun Nix as kind of their starter. The majority of guys for the Valley Vipers were taken away. I didn't mention Queen in yesterday's episode. Uh, I, I talked about Matthews and Christopher. They're both gone. And you didn't see any action from Garuba. So they were fielding their roster pretty much entirely out of a just typical Exhibit 10 contract, guys. Tyler Bay was a former second-round pick. He had to play the center, even though he's only 6'8". So you had DJ Wilson, uh, who could go up against him there. But you tip off play, and OKC looks amazing. They score the first four points in less than a minute. Ended up seeing Xavier Simpson find uh, DJ Wilson on a lob. And then Melvin Frazier Jr. went in transition for a layup. And they just continue to pile things up in the paint. That was the story from this first quarter. First five shots for the blue came around the basket. All five of them went in. So five of five there. Ten points in the paint. And it's pretty crazy. Because when you look at the recent trends. You know the blue. They averaged 64 points in the paint against Stockton. The last two games. Go out here immediately get 10. They were just already fired up. 10-4 lead to begin play. And then you go a little bit further into this one. And they're up 15-4. DJ Wilson had 7 of the team's. First 15 points in that span, and they just kept piling and piling up. 17 to 4. Grant Gibbs throws out Rob Edwards. I've talked about Rob Edwards a lot on this podcast. He always has this role. You bring him first thing off the bench, and you try to get the game put away early. He was not able to do that when he hopped out. Not many shots were falling in the first for him, but. It was all good because Rio Grande still could not find any sort of connection here. Ended up having Deshaun Nix missing a ton of jumpers on Simpson. On the other end, Simpson's just throwing dime after dime off penetrations. He had three assists in five minutes to begin the game. And they just kept rolling around the rim. They didn't try taking three-point shots. They weren't falling. So what did they do? Just keep packing it. Their first 18 of 20 points came in the painted area and when you look at the two points that came elsewhere 
came off of free throws, and both those were and one conversions. So they weren't even looking towards the mid-range. All they had to do was just get inside and go at it because they didn't have any true seven-footers playing in this game. And that's just all they needed. So they end up going just at it and at it. Moves to 24 of 26 points in the paint going in for them. And at the end of the first quarter, they already took a double-digit lead. They were up 33 to 21. And everything was looking pretty damn good for them. Just a plethora of highlight plays. DJ Wilson was throwing cross-court passes. Saw Justin Jarowski, who I mentioned in yesterday's episode, potentially getting minutes. He got early run, and what does he do? He throws a full-court lob pass down to Lindy Waters. He catches it, puts it up and in, and then off the fall, looks like he tweaked his ankle. It actually garnered a flagrant one just due to uh, the landing space being kind of taken up whenever he went down, stuck that free throw as well. So they really couldn't do any wrong in the first quarter when you look at everything. And it's all because of their paint play. 28 of their 33 first quarter points came right around the basket. And when you look at the Valley Vipers, their response was actually going against the grain. They were looking towards the three ball. Went 3 of 13 in the first quarter, and that's just not how they play. The reason they're 9 and 3 is because early on, they were attacking the basket. They lead the G League and points in the paint. Going into this game, average 58.8 points. That's ridiculous when you compare everything, but it was not working out for them, so they had to try to find other methods. Other method from distance was just completely cut off. So you keep going back and forth here. Lots of more shots around the hoop for the OKC Blue. They end up getting a 20-point lead at the 7-minute mark of the second quarter, in large part due to DJ Wilson. He checks in and gets two consecutive OKC Blue baskets, not even 30 seconds into his arrival, gets a layup under the rim, and then he has a standing dunk as well. So it was just a vicious attack at this point. The announcers were pretty much talking like the Blue had already punched their ticket, talking about how these guys are some top dogs. They pan the camera shot to Sam Presti, who is in attendance for this game. At that current point, DJ had 13 points and 7 rebounds, so he was cooking in the first 15. Uh, but yeah, he was out there to scout. Everyone was out there evaluating, and DJ was the main guy you were looking at, but really everybody was just getting theirs in this first half of play the one issue though was the three ball one of 12 start for them really couldn't find any connection elsewhere in that second quarter as well just continue to plummet uh, but it did not really matter ended up seeing that lead continue to stay around the 15 point mark throughout that second frame ended up seeing dj up with 19 points and nine rebounds with still three and a half minutes to go in the half and it just looked like they could not be stopped now the very end of this quarter saw a bit of a push from the vipers seven to two that was seriously the best that they had in them for the half uh, but it got it down to a 14 point game 56 to 42 kind of surprising given the game flow here uh, while i was watching it and while i was typing on it on my twitter really apologize for how many tweets i sent i didn't understand how uh, the little Twitter thread thing worked. They didn't know it showed up individually every single time. 
But, um, yeah, so as that was going on, I mean, it was just ridiculous, the pace of these guys. Time of possession is not available currently on the site, but I would imagine in those first two quarters, the blue were going way under what the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers were doing because it was just seven-second offense. They'd get the basketball on one end, just throw an outlet passes just out to the moon sometimes, They'd connect and they'd charge some baskets. And when they decided to go coast to coast, you saw guys like Simpson do this, Fit Credshi do this. They'd wait until the final second to make their pass. And it just always resulted in either a foul or a made bucket. So it was just a ton of lethal play for the blue. And even going beyond the paint play, they were still making that extra, pla- uh, the extra pass. There was one in particular. I compared it to just around a hot potato here. You have five consecutive back and forth passes out on the perimeter. The shot ends up in Xavier Simpson's hands. It didn't go in, but it sort of gives you the ebb and flow of how the half was going. So 14 points, like I said, uh, definitely did not reflect what was going on. Just seemed like a one-sided affair from the get-go there, but it was all all right. You look at the top performers from that half. Like I said, you had Wilson with 19. He did that in 17 minutes, by the way. Went 9 of 12, had 10 rebounds, so he already had a double-double. Xavier Simpson had 6 assists, and then you had 46 points coming from the paint. Single-handedly outscoring the Valley Vipers 42, and they had 56 points there. So uh, literally everything outside of maybe one basket came from the painted area one issue though the three ball was really a non-factor one of 17 the one three that went in came from Justin Jarowski and he wasn't really playing for the long haul your usual starters were not cashing in and they needed to tap into that that was the one point of concern that they had but if they just continued to pile it up around the paint this would have never been an issue and then they go into this second half and everything seems fairly good actually from the surface level you're looking at them just continuing to go inside the one little point of note though they started to pack the paint to begin the second that was the obvious adjustment if you're the valley vipers here so they start working back out to the three-point land went one of 20 from distance and it did hurt it actually opened the door for the valley vipers to tap into single digits and the back six minutes of this quarter but they were still hanging around dj wilson had one hell of a play in this one he ended up getting the ball at the top of the key took two steps or two dribbles inside just bully balled his way in hit it off the glass he had 24 points in 22 minutes at that current state there uh, but they were still kind of wavering and you started to see in the final moments of the third quarter Rio Grande was making a little bit of a push right here. They ended up getting this down to seven points in the third quarter. And then you go into the fourth quarter up just 83 to 76. And there wasn't really a primary source of offense like there had been with Wilson in quarters number one and two. He slowed down, went in single digits for the third quarter. And most of the guys that you were looking towards were just getting you one or two baskets in a row. Rob Edwards, that's the typical catalyst for these major surges. He just didn't have one in him during this third quarter, and he just kept getting fouls, 
uh, piled up on him. I think he had three in the first half, and then he had four pretty early on off of actually like a charge. Um, but with it, he couldn't get open either. I mean, he was pretty much locked down, and it became a bit of an issue. He did get fouled, though, driving inside. He pulled up. Someone got his hand stuck in between his arms, so he hit the free throw. And then he actually drilled a 30-foot triple, which was needed at the current time. Uh, but they still didn't have the number one, like I mentioned. So you go into the fourth quarter, and it's not as certain as it had been in the middle portions of that first half. And to go into the fourth quarter, the Valley Vipers started a strike again. They tapped it in nearly to one possession four minutes into the frame. It was 90-86 to 86, thanks to a plethora of threes that went in. But then you had an unsung hero in Michael Benege. Michael Benege has hardly been talked about on this podcast because he doesn't play for the blue and he's out of the rotation. The reason, whenever you have guys like Trey Mann and Teo always in and out, you're going to get pushed to the side. It's just like the system you have with the Thunder ranks. Ty Jerome and Teo can't get minutes because you already have four guards established. When you get a new player in the mix, someone gets bumped out. It's always been Benege. With those typical guys not out for this one, he got his opportunity to begin the fourth quarter. First time he had minutes in the game. Ends up dropping 11 points in seven minutes. In the first five of those, he had eight of his points, two of which came from downtown. They needed somebody to hit threes. He was the only one making them. And when you had the Valley Vipers hitting threes on the other end, you had to have a counter. Michael Benege was exactly that. And he he sourced a powerful, powerful punch because honestly, without him, they wouldn't have withstood that little test that the Valley Vipers kind of just struck up with them. So they keep the lead barely due to Michael Benege, and then you have a nine-point lead. Potentially ice this bad boy. Rob Edwards lines up a three-left wing, hits the rim like three times, looks like a toilet bowl, but it spins out, and then on the other side, you end up seeing a layup go in for the Valley Vipers. So you get that swing to cut it down to seven. That's when Benege gets his 11th point off another triple, and then you have an interesting little deal here. Grant Gibbs elects to go small. He takes out DJ Wilson with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And he plays Simpson, Benege, Rob Edwards, Melvin Frazier Jr., and Jalen Horde. Interesting setup, but it was working. They were just penetrating at will. And actually, Xavier Simpson showed off a post hook. Put them up 11 points with four minutes to go. And it looked like this one was all over. So it seemed like the dust would have been settling. But then you have the Rio Grande Valley Vipers hitting more threes. You couldn't stop them in the end here. Their wings were just their savior spots. You have Marvin Smith knocked down back-to-back threes. It's a five-point game after a minute of run. So three minutes to go, five-point game. And then you have Anthony Lamb cut it to a single possession with two minutes to go, 105 to 102. And the main reason why they were sneaking up and getting back into the conversation, Xavier Simpson was not being guarded from downtown. He's not been a good three-point shooter in either of, their two, uh, either of the two seasons he's been around here. Um, and they were taking advantage because he was not feeling it whatsoever. 
and they were just leaving him open. That's the best shot you're going to find, so he took it at the top of the key, did it four separate times in the quarter, ended up making one actually, but this one did not go in. So he was bricking shot after shot and just giving extra possessions to the Valley Vipers after really no play clock um, being shredded down. And then you have Anthony Lamb again. Another three-point shot, lines it up, dots it, 105 all. This is a tie ball game. Vid Krejci, he tries to make something happen on the other side. 90 seconds to go. No good at the top of the key, hits the backboard, rims out, and then Valley Vipers get a second chance points around the rack. And it garners them their first lead of the game with under a minute to go, 107 to 105. Commentary crew is going crazy. The momentum is clearly shifted to the Vipers' side. They're hitting it from all three levels. The blue are just getting boxed inside. They're letting Simpson take shots. Simpson cannot make them, and really nobody can make them from downtown. So how are you going to tie this thing? How are you going to make a basket? Well, they check right back in, side out, Jalen Horde gets it, just drives straight in from the right wing, takes some contact, makes the layup, ties it up with 30 seconds to go, have a timeout for the Valley Vipers, they check it back in, scramble on the loose ball, looked like Melvin Frazier Jr. might have come up with it, did not, and then you have just a random slash in from Vital, he gets hacked, by DJ Wilson due to the fourth quarter rules in the G League. You actually do take two free throws in the final two. So he goes up, hits the first, hits the second, 27.7 seconds to go. Looks like the blue have to convert on their very next play. And then you have a desperation drive from the blue. Xavier Simpson takes it in from the top of the key. He loses his footing on the drive just barely is able to scoop it up into the hands of DJ Wilson and he puts it up and he puts it in tie ball game other side you don't see any points from the Valley Vipers the blue get a chance with 0.8 seconds to go you saw this crazy sequence where the Vipers missed their first shot saw an offensive rebound and then off that miss uh, you saw that putback get swatted from Wilson, so that was pretty damn huge to get you to that point. But due to the botched inbound, went to overtime at 107. All crazy comeback to get to that stage. The Vipers were down 20 points. They were down 11 points with four minutes to go, and now they're entering the overtime session with the most momentum uh, out of either side. And when you kind of look at the overtime. The first thing was just the foul trouble. DJ Wilson had five fouls. Rob Edwards already had five fouls. There was one guy in foul trouble for the Vipers in Vital, but definitely was not as significant as a guy in DJ who had 20 points by the beginning of the third quarter. And a guy like Rob Edwards who can erupt really out of nowhere. Uh, but you go into the two-minute overtime period, and then Melvin Frazier sticks a layup. See a response off a second chance as well for the Vipers. And then Vit Krejci takes the ball. He's at the right wing. And he just guns a cross-court pass to a lurking Xavier Simpson. He just kind of hit in the paint, kind of around the restricted zone. 
And thanks to the six foot eight frame of Cranchy, he's able to see him, just throws it over the top of his defender, finds Simpson, he puts it up, puts it in, and one, goes to the line, hits his first free throw. It's a three-point game for the blue with 107 remaining in the game. On the other side, the Vipers cannot hit a three. Cranchy gets the rebound. He finds Frazier Jr. at the left corner. He misses the shot, but Wilson brings the ball down, gets fouled, splits the free throws to possession game with 35 seconds to go, 115 to 111, and the Vipers could not hit shots. Anthony Lamb, the guy who got them into overtime with his and one and with his three ball, couldn't make it in. Simpson gets a pair of foul shots, misses them both again though, so you get another opportunity for the Vipers, and then you see the inbound go in, DJ Wilson takes it, brings it up to the other end, and throws down a fast break jam, puts them up by six, and that is the ball game, OKC survives 119 to 113, live another day, live into Tuesday, where they will face the winner of the 2-7 matchup, I'll get into that, in addition to the top performers in one second, but first, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets if they score. You score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, just breaking down this game, breaking down the implications... This was huge. They needed to pick up this win to remain in contention for that $100,000 prize pool. Up 20 points in the second quarter. This seemed like a foregone conclusion that they would win. And then just slowly but surely, the Valley Vipers started to sneak up. And they started to hit a lot of threes. They couldn't hit threes in the first quarter. Really couldn't hit threes at all until the final quarter of play end up making 16 threes during the course of it. The blue, on the other hand, just hit six. So that's what, what kind of put them in that position. And then obviously, the final four-minute run where they covered 11 points of ground came up to be serious. And it seemed like 
honestly, they would have taken this one uh, given the conclusion to the regulation. But the fact that the blue did take this out means a bunch here. Still really only got their shots inside. So that might uh, raise a little bit of a red flag going into the next one. But it's not that too big of a concern at least right now but due to the victory here they move on to tuesday's matchup in it they will either face the main celtics or the motor city drive for the celtics they are the second seed and then the drive are the seventh seed the drive are eight and four going into their game and then for the celtics they are ten and two but this was major just due to the win here and there were a lot of guys who had some impressive performances atop the list you have to talk about dj wilson pretty much the reason why they won this first quarter set the tone early for them just the first half play in general too 19 points and 10 rebounds and then in overtime he showed up he was in foul trouble but he never picked up that sixth foul that's all that mattered with him gets 31 points in 15 rebounds he's probably the player of the day when you're looking at who needs veteran guys moving forward there's so many different covid cases i think dj wilson did exactly what he needed to do in order to potentially earn a contract now you got to put an asterisk on this game because this was not a team filled to the brim with centers they don't have any traditional centers on this roster the best that you found had actually anthony lamb matching up against him and like i mentioned guys not a big guy i mentioned he was six eight a second ago he's only six foot six 227 pounds so this is not a very big defender and wilson's way because of it he was able to just go right through him uh but yeah he uh he did very well given those circumstances and i'm sure even though it was an undersized matchup 31 points and 15 rebounds are going to raise some eyebrows, especially when he's been dropping good performances anyways, even on the traditional fives. So yeah, the two big punches from him in the beginning and ends of this game meant a lot for the points in the paints. I mean, they were trying to contend with just historic levels. They had 76 points in the paint by the end of this one, the Rio Grande Vipers ended up with 50. So they were actually close to their average, but the blue definitely trumped him in that category and he went 14 of 20 from the field no one could stop him there were times in the second quarter they were making adjustments to double team him it did not matter you saw him in transition just lurking out throwing down alley-oop jams and doing anything he wanted to almost and he looked really beautiful uh, in a pick and roll setting with Xavier Simpson so 31 and 15 for him he takes the star of the game role for sure but who goes behind him there are a lot of different people who could be in that category for starters all five of the starters finished in double figures you had michael benajay of course with his 11 i'm gonna say xavier simpson though he comes into this one place 39 minutes after hardly playing because uh, he was with team usa actually a couple weeks ago jumps right back in with trey man and teo on the roster but it it worked out for him i mean he gets that extended rest and he looked pretty damn good in operating the floor he had a double double with 18 points five rebounds and a team high 10 assists on that game he went seven of 19 from the field which was not efficient you break it down to the three-point line he almost cost him the game in regulation 
went one of nine, one of four down the stretch of this game. And for the Vipers, that was their only means of getting empty possessions because the paint play had been just too much. Because of Simpson launching those, it gave them life. I do not blame Simpson for taking those jump shots. And even if this game would have gone the other way, I still don't know if you blame Simpson for how he played in clutch time. Because he was one of the primary reasons they were in such an advantageous situation. 20-point lead in the second quarter? It's because of all the razzle-dazzle assists. 6 by halftime, 10 by the end of this one, making a ton of beautiful reads when he was driving into the basket during this game, and even just making those extra passes outside. They weren't going in, but he was still gunning people down. He's not a big man. I don't even think he's, he, he, I don't think he's 6 feet. If he is, you might need to get the measuring tape out again because he does not look like it on the television screen. But even with it, was not shying away from contact. Picked up a decent amount of foul shots in this one. Some of them did come up as intentional ones, but he still went 3 of 8 from the charity stripe. Didn't do that well in terms of shooting, of course, because 3 of 8 from the stripe is not good. And then 1 of 9 from distance, not going to settle things. But he still was a positive player in this team just because of how he influences you from a passing standpoint he is just a darling type player when it comes to the g league whenever i compare him uh or when i compared carlick jones who's now in the texas legends i pointed towards xavier simpson as a solid comparison because they're both more tiny they're not the fastest per se but they're still able to get around the corner and penetrate at will. And that's what Simpson did. That's how he got really all of his seven field goals to go in during the course of the game. I want to talk about Michael Benege before I go into the rest of the starters. Saved him. Really saved him. Because the momentum was not on their side going into the fourth quarter. You look at the box score, sure, they're still up seven points. But like I said, you didn't have one person to entrust. DJ was out of the picture. He wasn't even playing for the majority of that third frame. So Benege comes in after not playing all season long, and then he turns into their star. 11 points dropping in the windpipe for him. 3 of 4 from downtown, 4 of 6 in all. And all he had to do was just sit outside of the perimeter because they were finding open shot after open shot from distance. But they never made the Vipers pay. Benege comes in, same situation as all their other players before him, but this time the results yield different things. He's making all those shots. Then he gets plucked out of the game. But that 11-point stretch really saved him. Ends up getting taken out during clutch time, which you can't really fault Grant, uh, Grant Gibbs for doing that. I mean, I think the fact he kept him in for the majority of the fourth was a pretty good call by him and it obviously gives you what you needed at the end here with the w once you go beyond those i think crunchy too needs a lot of praise he comes in after that assignment or being with the thunder for the sga uh, game winner i was thinking maybe they would have a game winner given the sequences of events here no real game winner but Critchy must have taken notes from SGA because he looked cool, calm, and collected in the clutch. Plays 30 minutes in this game, nears a triple-double with 10 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, and only has 3 turnovers. He was taking a lot of contact driving inside during this game. 
didn't look towards the three at all, just had the one kind of chuck at the end of the game, praying, uh, didn't go in, obviously that was the one that hit the backboard, but he did hit one free throw, which I believe accounted for two points due to the nature of the foul call, but yeah, I mean, he was using his body to his advantage, he was way bigger than all the other guys you saw in the Valley Vipers, it's how he snags down 10 rebounds, but then also looking at the seven assists, just a cross-court pass master. The Simpson pass really summed his game up. I mean, that was just what he was doing consistently there where you didn't even think a player could become part of the play. And then he dots someone uh, that you just couldn't find uh, with, unless you're 6'8", you know. And there were a lot of corner kickouts that he made that didn't result in baskets. There was a bit of a connection between himself and Melvin Frazier Jr., who couldn't make shots in the corner. But a lot of potential sits, uh, assists for Krejci. And then even in transition, too, such a good downhill decision maker. He comes down the court on a three-on-one situation, waits until the final second to make the dump-off pass, and it results in two points. Like, just that kind of stuff makes me really impressed. I think this is easily uh, the best performance he's had in a blue jersey this year now when you look at the numbers like did he have more points than other games of course he did but this was the most all-around package that you're going to get from him and I think if you know his other team members or he started getting it going from three you would have seen those numbers go even more up so really happy with how he performed in the game Jalen Horde and Melvin Frazier Jr. round up the starting crew for the Blue. Both of them did excellent in their roles. They were out there to just sit in the corner or drive inside. Both of them turned into backdoor slashers and both of them netted double figures. Jalen Horde I'll start out with. He has his season high with 13 points in 24 minutes. Gets three rebounds and two assists as well gets two steals on the defensive side, and goes five of nine from the field. He's not a three-point shooter. He was not a three-point shooter with the Thunder, was not last year with the Blue, was not today. Went 0 of 1 from the uh, three-point line, but at the charity stripe, this man has it all figured out. He led the Blue in free throw attempts last season, goes into the Thunder, and there was no real knock in free throw production. And he ends up getting three in this game, two of three there. Just always really happy to see Jalen Horde doing well. He's such a good attacker around the basket. In terms of the ball handling, the passing, I think it's it's sneakily good. But most of the time, he's just going to be that one-layered person who's really strong-suited when it comes to driving inside. And that's what he did. With Melvin Frazier Jr., I thought this would have been a candidate for a 20-point game. Only gets 11 on this one, but you can't be mad just because DJ did most of the heavy lifting here. Uh, when you look at Melvin, 5 of 5 on threes, or not 5, no, no way on threes. 5 of 5 inside, 0 of 3 from distance, and 1 of 1 from the line. Just really good at attacking the basket, just like Jalen Horde. He's very good at kind of slowing down. The decel- uh, deceleration's really good with him, and he's not the quickest guy anyways, But still, he can freeze you up and free himself for an easy shot. And even off the pump fake as well, he's able to enable um, some open shots. So I was happy with him. I think the only person who I was a little bit surprised with in this one happened to be Rob Edwards. Now, situation didn't help that he had five fouls 
in 22 minutes, but he didn't start out with five fouls, right? Like he goes in with zero fouls, just zero everywhere on the stat sheet, but he just could never figure it out on the offensive side. Goes two of 10, one of six from distance, gets just seven points in the game, has five turnovers and five personal fouls. So this was the worst game he's had with the blue this season. I think it's passable because next game, it's always a new game with him. You know, I've mentioned it time and time again. He always plays his own game, kind of tends to be an outlier in terms of team statistics. But yeah, like the ISO game wasn't working. The step back was getting just stunted every time. And he wasn't really looking at it that much in this game either. He was more or less just waiting in the shadows. And when he did get the basketball, he'd maybe make a couple strides and then had to kick it back out once again. But he did drive inside a good amount of times in this game, was getting rejected around the basket, was just not getting much air in the whistle when he drove inside. And because of it, like I said, just one free throw for him. Getting a little angsty when it came to uh, defending. A lot of the times, I think two out of his five, both turnovers and fouls, came in succession. He'd kind of fumble it while trying to get up to the timeline. And then on the other side, he'd get a little bit too handsy in terms of shot contests, get the whistle called, and it'd be a pretty easy and one for his opponents. That obviously doesn't help you out all that much, but... It's going to be a new game on Tuesday. It's going to be a new game for everybody here. I really like their paint play, but truthfully, I don't think it's going to work um, just off the paint alone. They need to get back to the three-point shots. They shot 7 of 30 in Wednesday's game against Stockton. Shot around 38% in Friday's game against them. So maybe you kind of follow that trend where you have an atrocious first outing and then the second game you really tick it up it's going to be a different opponent of course but still could get a little bit of a snowball effect if everything comes to fruition shot 18.2 percent from three in this game six of 33 so you hope that gets better also hope the foul shooting gets a little better as well 13 of 23 doesn't do you too much justice in the long run but they're able to hang on here did a really good job on defense held Deshaun Nix to 4 of 20 from the field Christian Vital to 4 of 15 and Marcus Foster was kind of their only true efficient productor with a 9 of 20 pallets also had Anthony Lamb with that late burst 7 of 18 for 24 points but they are now knocked out they'll be playing one game with zero ties to it. It's just going to be a random game with probably whoever comes out of these uh, two seven losers bracket. But yeah, for the Thunder, they still have money on their mind. And for the OKC Thunder, they will have an upcoming matchup in Memphis tonight. I'll be covering that one. We'll see if we get an actual preview pod for that, but I will have the game recaps. You guys can look out for that one. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.